0: Welcome to The Sprig Podcast, your source for the most relevant topics in pediatric dentistry. I'm your host, Dr. Jared Johnson. As of March 16th of 2020, the American Dental Association has recommended that dentists postpone elective procedures. This will undoubtedly have an impact on pediatric dentists nationwide. Cases of the coronavirus in the United States have now surpassed 4,000 as of March 17, 2020, and the government has focused efforts on flattening the curve. Many offices are limiting care to emergency patients only, or closing completely. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Vic Tiku, who is a board-certified pediatric dentist in San Luis Obispo, California. He has recently made the decision to limit patient care to emergencies, as is here today to discuss implications as a private practitioner. Thanks, Dr. Vic, for joining us today.
1: Hey, Dr. Johnson. It's great to be with you. Uh, it's definitely an uncertain time that we're in right now. I'm looking forward to kind of trying to work this through this together.
0: Yeah. And I think as a pediatric dentist and given the circumstances, we need to keep in mind the load of patient care in hospitals. I know we know for certain that the care delivered in the emergency room is nowhere near the quality care delivered in your private practice and when you have policies in place to still be able to see these patients screen these patients and then also limit the load on our local hospitals and that can have a huge impact on uh, the spread of this virus and also you know your office and, and keeping your patients seeing you versus going somewhere that where they might be exposed to certainly more germs. Is that something that you've implemented at your office as far as screening and then also seeing emergencies even this in this interim time? So we've, as you kind of were talking about, we've elected to, to limit the practice to emergencies
1: only. We have my office manager and myself there most of the day kind of troubleshooting, kind of figuring out our other issues um, and next steps as we close and open back up. But um, we had an example today was an eight year old girl that hadn't seen the dentist in a couple of years with two large swellings, um, unable to sleep. And I mean, we had a couple options. We actually had them, we triaged them first by having them send a uh, picture. So we kind of knew what we were getting ourselves into. And then we also, um, pre-screened them to make sure what the risks would be to the patient, to ourselves and to the community. So we're checking for fevers. We were checking for recent contact to any confirmed, uh, coronavirus, um, patients, um, and kind of the history of sickness. Um, but it's a good example today that we were able, we elected to do the extractions and not give her antibiotics, but we had the antibiotics as an alternative rather than sending her to an era where she'd be sitting possibly for a long time with other patients with other sicknesses just to get a round of antibiotics.
0: Yeah. And that's a great service. I think we had the same thing today. We had a family from about an hour away come in and my schedule's falling apart because we are doing the same thing you are. So we we're rescheduling patients and we had a kid come in with an acute apical abscess and resorption on another tooth in the same quadrant. And he had an IN block and we took the teeth out. Like that's the best treatment for that patient. And that patient's not going to end up in the emergency room. Um, you discussed different options for that child, and it's going to be difficult for us. Like we're used to being able to, you know, provide quality care in a comfortable setting for kids. And right now, sedation—I mean, it's going to be a long wait for that. We have the ADA recommending waiting uh, till April sixth or seventh. Now, any of these kids that are in pain. I mean, we have to discuss with the parents the risks and benefits. You can't be on an antibiotic forever for a toothache. The treatment is removing the infection. Uh, How do you handle that at your office? Uh, Is restraint a viable option? Or, I mean, is that off the table? Yeah, you know, I'm not not sure. Today, this girl probably would have benefited
1: from a little sedation, a little bit more. She's, I mean, she'd been in pain for a long time. And, you know, I try to use buffered anesthetic and septicane and, but the reality is that we just had to get it done. Um, and she won't have any short term major issues. Um, there's other things that we elected to wait at this point and we'll bring her back in three weeks, which is what we think may be the end of it. But there's kind of from the, the historical side of looking at, Italy and China and South Korea, this could be more than a month or two months or three months. So there's a lot of uncertainty going on right now.
0: Well, definitely. When you look at the alternative, though, I think the parents in your situation made the right choice. We've got our child with an infection and in pain, and it's just something that we need to take care of. I would like to commend the uh, Ohio Dental Association. Uh, and their dental board for getting on top of this. I think they were the first ones, one of the first ones to come out uh, with the recommendations on on limiting treatment for different things. And it's been a huge resource. The Iowa Dental Board, where I practice, just replicated uh, their guidelines if you're following this closely and your state may follow. Uh, but definitely, please be open for your kids. If screen them though, make sure they're safe to bring into your office, but please be open. We don't want to inundate the emergency rooms of the United States with something that you could have taken care of at your office. And one of the things we've done at our office, we've, we're have we closing for non-emergencies, but we're going to designate times where we can uh, spread the patients out over a certain time, but also maximize the staff time that we're going to have them in. So we're designated certain days, and then we're going to bring patients in on the hour. And that's something that you can do in your office. You had mentioned to me earlier, just in passing, about uh, mouthwatch and having patients maybe take pictures of things and send them to you. Uh, I know this is kind of a, teledentistry is a, a newer thing, but that could be something that could be beneficial, right?
1: Definitely. There's there's The stuff that we have and the camera phones that people have now is amazing. So definitely asking for a picture of something gives you a good idea of of urgency. It might not be the best picture, but it can give you some idea of where to start. Um, you also touched a bit along the uh, mouthwash thing. Um, there's some research that's showing that um, peroxide has can reduce viral load. Um, the AAE just came out with an article saying that uh, 0.2% uh iodine might reduce the load of the virus also in saliva. So we may be starting to have people start doing these rinses pre- pre-treatment um, as they come in. So it might be worth having some of this stuff in your office um, just just as a precaution.
0: And that's something that's readily available to us if you can uh, bear your mind to get out to, <laughs> bear the masses and get out to the grocery store or Costco. Uh, I would also mention to our listeners that you need to talk to your dental board. I mean, obviously in this time, yeah, you want to be financially viable, but you probably shouldn't be billing dentistry codes unless you're actually practicing practicing to the standards of your uh, state legislation. Is that correct? That is absolutely
1: correct. And I mean, being in California, we are stricter than most. Um, but in, in reality, you got to do what you got to do. And if you can have a re- rational reason for why you did what you did, um, I don't think there's going to be any major issues with that, but you have to have a legitimate reason for why you did what you did.
0: Moving on, probably the next biggest thing besides your patience, that's, that always comes first, but next is, is money. I hate to say it, but it's the, it's the elephant in the room. Um, you've got a business, you've got, I mean, you're a small business owner. I'm a small business owner. We have staff, we have to pay and it's not an easy conversation to have. If you stockpiled money to plan for two months of closure, great. If you haven't, it's a, a totally different conversation. Um, I would like to highlight that we just did a podcast with Paul Edwards from Cedar, and he had some great advice on uh, what to do with your employees. And I hope you'd all, if you haven't heard that podcast, go back and listen to it. But it's also going to depend on what's coming up in your local level, federal level, and state level. Everything's going to be kind of in flux right now, and you need to pay attention to those certain things. So uh, I know Iowa just passed that there's going to be no – replication on employers for people who take unemployment and that may be a great hit for us as a private practitioner to be able to take this time and not incur unemployment but also have our staff taken care of and you need to have that conversation with with your staff and make the decision based on the implications of that level i know i think you had mentioned that the senate and house are kind of working through some things that could have implications as well And we just need people to be, you know, make the best decision with the information possible. So I hope we can have uh, a further conversation on that. One of the things that you did also was um, contacting your CPA to discuss an action plan because that can really impact uh, tax credits you may be available for uh, versus, you know, using unemployment for yourself and not being able to get that.
1: And, and some of that is the unemployment. So there's been this saying that you need to get to the front of the line to get to unemployment. But the reality is the money's there. It might take a little bit longer if the whole country's applying for unemployment. But the reality is that you will qualify for it. So our, our CPA's recommendation is that they are aware of the bill that's getting passed. The verbiage is still unclear. So the recommendation is, is basically to wait at this point. Um, you're going to run into problems that if, so some people are paying their vacation time and sick time if, but then that doesn't, isn't considered a reduction in time. So if you're paying their full amount, then they may not get that unemployment for that time period. So a secondary option was to pay partial pay. Um, and then theoretically you could then have them claim unemployment and they could get close to what their full pay is
0: yeah so we had the discussion with paul on the last podcast and he gave gave some great advice i hope we can get it back after this legislation is passed um but we had that conversation with our employees we said if you do not you know the state of iowa recommended that you take your full vacation before you apply for this and if you don't do that then you may not be eligible for this so that made a a big decision i mean that's going to use up their pto and they're going to have to work. They're not going to have that paid time off. They could take unpaid leave later in the year, but that definitely is something to have a conversation with with your staff to, you know, give them the information and let them decide what is going to be best for their family. We, you know, we want to be accepting of their decision, but it's really important to uh, support your staff in this time because you know, coming April, we're going to get really busy. Uh, one of the other things we had discussed personally, uh, between you and I in in the last few days was taking out a line of credit. I think this is probably one of the first things I did, um, is taking out a hundred thousand dollars line of credit. I'll pay the fee to open it, but you don't pay interest on it unless you take it out. And that can be a little bit of peace of mind given the uncertainty. Did you do the same thing? Uh,
1: luckily I just refinanced my building and they had recommended that I just set up because it cost me $500 or something at the time. Um, and so it was kind of like a safety net. I said, sure. Now thankful for that, but there's definitely a rush now to banks. So having that set up early is going to be crucial to being able to get access to that because there's, there's some liquidity issues that could be happening in the near future. So you want to make sure that you have some access to some money. Um, and I think along those lines, definitely having that conversation with staff that, You know, this could be a prolonged thing and they they need to kind of tighten up the bootstraps. Um, But everyone's in the same position. So being able to kind of protect yourself and protect the office is going to be number one.
0: And also, I think I, I reached out to everyone I could. I called my CPA. I called the bank. I called about everyone I could to see what the situation was. I know the Fed slashed the rates, but that doesn't mean that they're going to loan you the money. So the earlier you get in, the better. Um, I also reached out to my loan provider. And personally for me, it's Bank of America on the practice. And I said, hey, we got a line of credit we got to open. And now also we've got the circumstance of payment on my loan. What are you guys doing? And they are floating the idea. I I didn't get confirmation in writing or anything, but uh, of talking about deferred payments or interest only payments so definitely if you have a practice loan, that might be something that you want to look into to lessen the burden because if you can take i mean 60 90 days off in this time that's going to lessen what you have to pay back and give you more cash in the bank to manage the situation at hand uh, have you done anything in in similar of the likes? We've, that's that's on the to-do list for this
1: week. Um, we've been kind of waiting to see what our next steps are gonna be with this legislation. Um, but what we've been doing is looking at what are our options to get cash if we need it, because we've got some big credit card bills and the, the credit card company is happy to say, we'll, we'll defer your payment, but it's gonna be at 20% interest. Um, and that, just doesn't make sense. So, we've been looking at either doing a 0% transfer on different credit cards that will carry a limit for about a year um, and then lines of credit, which right now, from what I've seen, SBA is offering at 3.75, but it might go lower in the, the near future.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. I know I have stopped putting things on the credit card if possible. I mean, you get a line of credit for at worst for and a half percent versus a 20 percent credit card like if you can't if you don't have cash coming in then you're better off you know with the line of credit paying that back versus a 20 percent interest rate so that's a great point that you mentioned up you had also sent me an article on the changing landscape of the progression of this yep and it hit some key points. Uh, I just want to highlight them for our listeners. Contact your insurance provider, which I don't think will do much uh, for us, but uh, track your losses and then review contracts and implications of your ongoing services. Can you maybe dive into those, what you learned from that article? Yeah, so some of the
1: stuff there, there might be a chance that one of your insurance policies cover some of this, but it, the way that it's looking is because it's not been, required by anyone to shut down. Um, It hasn't been something It's more of a recommendation that not many of these things will cover it. The other kind of flip side of it is that if all these people do claim these insurance claims and they actually do cover it, the insurance company can go under too. So that that puts everyone in a weird position. Um, As far as tracking losses, they're looking at um, just seeing having your data is going to be very important for last year versus this year. You can run your practice software and see what the targeted was amount was for that month. Um, it's going to be important because this there is going to be some, hopefully, reimbursement for stuff. So you want to be able to have hard data that can show what's going on. And then as far as reviewing contracts, and that goes... It, People don't want to default. There's just it doesn't make sense for anyone, and everyone's in the same position. So, call if there's a payment due. If your rents due, give them a call and see what you can work out. Most people are going to be pretty willing to to make something work in this in this climate right now.
0: I think that's those are great points. We don't know what the Feds are going to come out with uh, later this week, but there's surely gonna be some sort of tax credit for small businesses and to help us get through that. If you don't track it right now, you're gonna be going back and trying to pull that data. So just look at what your numbers are and please you know, evaluate that moving forward. Um, your staff are gonna be in the same situation and your office will really be better off if you start paying attention to the implications now. I know this is a time where people say, hey, we're off. I want to take you know, X amount of weeks to spend with my kids, but really your business is going to have a, the best outcome if you start looking at some of the things that you can do to get the most relief from the federal government moving forward. Lastly, I know it's not last, but uh, one of the things you need to pay attention to is if you are minimizing patient care or closing your office you need to look at certain tasks that you can do and i mean even if you have staff there that are going to be seeing emergencies you're not gonna i think you said how many did you have today just one Just a one. single patient today so you had one patient and you had some staff there there's going to be other things that can be useful for them to do um definitely yep uh, you want to put them to use and some things you might want to consider are obviously cleaning and organizing the office uh you had mentioned i went through this last year but turning off utilities i we had a time where in iowa the weather was not so pleasant and we had negative temperatures and i didn't turn off the water to my building Uh, and it got cold and we had the pipes freeze and we showed up the next day to see patients and we didn't have water so we were running next door to the grocery store to buy gallons of water to, to pour in our dental unit. So um, definitely looking at utilities might be something that you want to do. Um, what are some other things that you might see that dentists need to do? Um, so check in your water lines to make sure, because
1: traditionally you're getting everything cleaned out every day, maybe over the weekend you're giving it a little break, but you're going to want to empty those water bottles and the water lines and flush them out. Uh, clean all the vacuum lines to make sure that if it does dry out, there's nothing in there that you're having issues with. Um, Compressors too. Um, Just making sure that everything's set up and filters and everything are clean and kind of let that sit. Um, You're going to want to make sure that uh, all the sterilization is done and put away. And then checking all the traps, clean everything. Basically, you're going to set up the office so that you are ready to run day one. Um, in some cases, if you're not going to be around, you may look at turning off the water, um, depending on how often you're going to be able to check in the office and, and kind of get in there and see what's going on.
0: Yeah, I think those are great points. I mean, also, you want to look at your uh, phones like we're going to we're not closed. Like, This is not a. we're still open for emergencies. We're going to still see we're going to do our part to make sure that these kids don't end up in the ER. But if you literally have to close, you want to definitely transfer your phone lines, get text messages at your home, be available for your patients, be able to come in, be in communication with your staff. If you are going to completely shut down, you want to make sure your computers are secure and you have, if you have a security system that that's turned on and adequate because you don't want someone coming in in this time and doing anything that would affect your practice as far as your server or computers, or if you have I mean, obviously pediatric nuns have sedation drugs. You don't want, you want those to be secure. Uh, You also want to make sure you have, you know, any plants at the office or if you have an animal at the office or pets that you want to make sure that those are taken care of and the staff is able to come in and take care of them or you're able to take the uh, animal home. One other thing, Dr. Gina Dorfman is going to be joining us on the future program, and she had a great blog post today about appointment reminders, and she said, before you turn them off, listen to me. Um, I know the AD has uh, encouraged us to shut down until April 6th or 7th, um, and she encouraged us to actually reschedule your patients and book them for that time, because you want to be busy when you open again, like you had said, Um, and just reschedule them. You can always move that appointment if the ADA requires us to close longer. And if the ADA says, hey, you can be open, things are clear, you can always move that up. So just rebook the appointment. You can always contact the patient at a future date. Uh, don't delete the appointment off the schedule. Instead, try to change your practice management software so they don't get the reminder. And your reminders can go on as currently, because if you turn off the reminders, all your future appointments that are past due, they won't be getting those. So that could cost your business. So what we've done, we actually turned them off. We're going to turn them back on after two days after we've had the ability to contact everyone. So that way they're not getting reminders for the next two days, but I'm going to turn them right back on once we get through Friday. So everyone's been contacted, and then we can go moving forward from there. Uh, That's just a a good tip for your staff.
1: And I think it's important to kind of remember that we're all in this together um, and that, you know, I know that there are some offices that are staying open um, despite some of these strong recommendations, but it's noteworthy to know that the incubation period can be anywhere from 0 to 24 days And there's pretty solid research that says that dental procedures create aerosols that are airborne for up to three hours and that this virus can live up to three days um, on solid surfaces. So there is a very high risk that we can be transmitting this. Um, And then in France and Italy, nearly 50% of the hospitalized cases are healthy 40-ish year old uh, people. So this this isn't just a an old person's disease. It it is really important to remember why we're doing this, um, and for the greater good. So we got to remember that we're all in this together, and there will be light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Great points. I think we'll get there. I, it it's not. This is not an. Um, it's not a time you want to be a dentist for a small business yeah. owner where you rely on that monthly income and insurance claims. It's just, it's a perfect storm. I never thought when I opened my office five years ago that you and I would be having this conversation where, yeah, we're going to close. We're going to close or limit patients, not close, but limit patients for three weeks because the ADA said that's the right thing to do. And I strongly believe that that is the right thing to do. There is... Totally no agree. Financial amount of money that could ever be given to anyone for staying open at this time, in my opinion. And we gotta do our service to our patients and still see them in emergencies. And we gotta, you know, have the best interest of the them in mind also by not spreading this. So um I think we'll find out a lot more, but it's not it's not an easy decision. But I can tell you I have way less stress than I get from a negative one star review going through this than, uh, from closing my office.
1: Yeah. It's a wild time we're in right now.
0: I just also wanted to give, um, listeners an idea of hardship requests. Uh, if you've got outstanding loan payments, I know federal government just reduced, uh, student interest loans, uh, to, uh, 0% during this time. Um, if you have a credit card open that you own on the office, I would reach out to them right away. If you've got future travel, you may want to uh, try to contact them. I know a lot of airlines and hotels are offering rebooking things for within the, the year. So just please reach out to these people. Um, if you have any professional fees as well, it may be able to be something that you can delay or reorganize to help you as a practice be more financially viable. Um, is never there hurt you-, to
1: ask. you never know what people will say because we're all going through it and the banks are going to have similar issues that we are. So definitely take the time and, and talk to them because I think more than likely people are going to be willing to work with you.
0: Well, Dr. Vic, I think you've added a lot to this. You've been through a lot of stresses already, and it sounds like you're handling the situation uh, very well. And I know we're all excited to hopefully open again and start seeing kids again. So thanks for your time on the show today. Uh, It's great
1: to be here. Um, Definitely uh, appreciate your time and your, your wisdom. Um, it's going to be a, a bumpy road for a little bit, but I, I know we'll get through all this together. Thank you for listening to the Sprig Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share on social media. If you have any questions or if you have a topic you would like to hear covered in a future episode, please email podcast at sprigusa.com.